the book of Philippians back in the saddle again. I feel like I ain't been here in a year. I think... Is that the air or is it raining? Is it raining? Let's give God praise and glory right there. Amen. Yeah, how about that, Jalen? It's raining. Where's Dustin at? He lied. Dustin told me today it will never rain again. What does he know? Amen. All right, are y'all ready to learn something? How many of y'all have ever been in a rut? Come on, raise your hand, be honest. All right, how many of y'all feel like you're in one now? Good. This is going to be perfect then. That's what we're going to talk about today, how to get out of a rut. Uh, Vance Havner said it. I don't know if he's the first one to say it, but he's the one I read that said it. Uh, a rut is nothing but a grave with the ends kicked out. You get in a rut, there's no expectation of better. There's no hope. There's no anticipation. Uh, when you go through life constantly feeling like it's always going to be like it always is, that's depressing. And it doesn't have to be like that. God doesn't want it to be like that. You were not created for it to be like that. You were not delivered for it to be like that. You were not saved for it to be like that. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and have it more, more abundantly. Now, let's get out of the rut tonight. Let's take the steps necessary to get out of the rut. Not only that, but let's take the steps necessary not to get in one. The best place to, the best way to stay or, or, or to get out of a rut is just don't get in one. Amen? So, let's look in Philippians chapter number 2. And, and uh, just by way of, of kind of a, 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 a rehashing of the first part of the chapter, I know most of y'all are here with us as we, we studied the first part of chapter number 3, but Paul is going over his past. He's talking, about, he's talking about his past heritage. He's talking about his past activity, uh, who he was. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he was, he was very uh, uh, wealthy. He was very popular. Uh, he, was, he was an up-and-coming. I mean, he had it all. He had it all, but he lost it. When he became a Christian, when he became a follower of Christ, he lost it all. But the thing he says about it, he says, But I count it all but dung that I might win Christ. Christ is better than riches. Christ is better than fame. Christ is better than wealth. All of this stuff that I thought was important to me, the moment I met Christ, he became the priority in my life. Somebody say amen. So the whole first part of this chapter is dealing with Paul's past. Well, what we're going to talk about tonight is basically dealing with Paul's present, what he's dealing with now, what he's going through now. And, and so we need, to, we need to look here. Let's, 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 go back to, uh, let's go back to verse 7. Let's go back to verse 7, and that will just bring us into where we're at. All right? If you're in verse 7, say amen. <clears throat> Y'all pray for me. <clears throat> I've, I'm feeling a whole lot better, but I just haven't got my wind back. So I, I need some wind. So y'all pray that, 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 that I'll be able to breathe tonight. If you do that, say amen. amen. It says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, uh, I've lost everything, but don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm not, I'm not looking back in regret. I'm not looking back in, in, in sorrow over the stuff I lost because Christ is so much better. He says in verse 9, And I want to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now here's where our, our, our thoughts are coming from. Not as though I had already attained. He said, I don't want you to think I've arrived. Either we're already perfect. Now the word perfect is not without error, without problem. It's talking about complete maturity. All right. He said, nor we're already perfect, but I follow after. Say that with me. I I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, let me translate that, because that's kind of confusing when you throw that together and you read that. What he's saying here, if I can say this right, I've said it like 20 times in my office so I can say it right here. I want to get 
I want to get that which Christ got me for. That's what he just said. I want to get that for which Christ got me for. In other words, God saved me for a purpose. God saved me for a reason. When God looked down on me and he saw me in my condition, he did not just look at my present, he did not just look at my past, but he looked way down in my future and he saw potential. And listen, when he saved me, he had a purpose and a potential for me. And what Paul is saying here is, I want to get that. I want to get what God has for me. I want to get the best that he has. I want to get, I want to attain, I want to receive, I want to apprehend, I want to take it, what God has for me. And every Christian in this room today, it should be your desire to get everything God has for you. If that makes sense, say amen. Watch this. He says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. How many things? Is one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Well, there's a bunch of us in here needs to do that. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I say it with me. I I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore. As many as be perfect, or many as be mature, many as be complete, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Say amen. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this good crowd. And thank you, Lord, for the rain. Lord, it sounded sweet on the roof, and I praise you for it, and I thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the the lesson tonight, and Lord, bless my lungs. I need some air. I pray that you'll help me deliver this. This It's a good lesson, Lord. It's a great lesson, and we need to apply it. We need to learn it and apply it. Lord, there's a lot of us in the rut. We've been there for a while, and it's time to get out. Lord, there's some of us headed to it, Lord. There's things that's coming our way that's that's trying to discourage and depress and, and bring us down. Well, Lord, I pray that you'll just... Please help us in that way. And and bless those that are watching on the Internet. Lord, there's a lot that's just chiming in and checking in, and I pray for them. Lord, they're doing it for a reason. Lord, we're here to learn something from you that's going to help us be what you'd have us to be. And God, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Number one, if you're taking notes. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Thank you, my man. Uh, it, it, did anybody need some notes? I forgot to ask that question. I know, I know. Let's do this. Uh, uh, Brother Doyle, you're on that side. And uh, uh, Mr. Ralph, you help him with that. Uh, make sure to grab a bunch. Raise your hand if you need some notes. I, 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 I meant to do this earlier. I always forget to do that. We've got some right here, one in the middle right here, right over there. Right over there, Jeremy. There you go. All right, right here in the middle. Raise your hand real high. Does anybody up there? Everybody got it taken care of up there? All right, all right. There we go. Make sure everybody gets one now. I don't want you to leave. If you leave without notes and you stay in the rut, it's your fault. All right. There we go, there we go, there we go. All right, write this down, write this down. Uh, there, there's some, some things that we need to, to look at that's going to that's gonna help us uh, uh, to get, let's just say, uh, not, just, not just getting out, but let's, stay, let's, let's keep from getting in, maybe preventative, if you will. Uh, Paul is, is going over in his life. He's already discussed his past. He's already discussed the things that's happened uh, in his past. But then he said this. And, and a, lot of people, a lot of people use the, the terminology here, uh, for especially when you've, you've got mistakes in your past and you've got things that you're, you're not really proud of in your past, forgetting those things which are behind. How many of y'all know that's easier said than done? Especially when you have a devil that's reminding you all the time. How many of y'all have ever got down to pray before and the devil said, "Uh uh-huh. You're going to pray now, but I saw what you was doing a while ago. All right, don't you remember? I know who you are. I I know who your past. And and he's always trying to, he's always trying to bring up our past to, to determine our future. But I'm glad Jesus did something about that. Amen. So 
here's what I want to do. In the first point, I want to talk about what Paul says here because it's very, it's very important. And you've got to see who Paul was. That make, it's what makes his statement so significant. Paul was probably the greatest apostle. Could we all agree on that? He was probably the greatest apostle, has more writings in the New Testament than any of them. Uh, he got to experience, I mean, he was, so, he was so gifted, and he received so many revelations, he got to go to heaven and come back. Now, I know there's a lot of people saying they've done that and writing books about it now. I don't believe none of them. Because if God didn't like, let Paul write a book about it, he ain't going to let nobody else. So my point being, he actually went to heaven and came back. He, he was gifted beyond anybody's imagination, so much to the point that God on purpose gave him a thorn, gave him something very painful in his life to keep him humble. Now, I want to be gifted, but not that much. Are y'all with me? I mean, gave him something because he was so good. He said, because of the abundance of the revelation. In other words, because so much has been given to me spiritually, because I am so, and I mean, it's kind of, I don't want it to sound that arrogant, but what he is saying is God has entrusted so much to me that he had to put something in my life so that it would keep me humble, so it would keep pride from rising up in my life. This is the man we're talking about. This is a man who has started church after church after church after church in the New Testament, writing, I mean, he is one that God, Jesus showed up personally to save him. And then he says this, well, I'm not where I want to be. Think about that. After all that he's done, after all that he's experienced, after all that he's gone through, this is what he says. I have not yet attained. I am not where I want to be. In the first few verses, he's saying, this is where I was. Thank God I'm not what I was. But then he says this, but I'm not where I want to be. Now you say, why is that so important? Look here, write this down. If we're ever going to get out of a rut, or if we're ever going to stay out of a rut, number one, there has to be a realistic focus. Keyword on focus. There has to be a realistic focus. What do we need to focus on? A, write this down. The state of our condition. In other words, we have to be honest about where we are. We have to be honest about where we are. He says, I'm not where I want to be. He, he has taken evaluation of his life. He has, he has evaluated where he is spiritually, where he is mentally, where he is with God, where he is with his ministries. And he's saying, listen, I am not where I want to be. Even though he has accomplished probably more than any human being ever will, he says, I'm still not where I want to be. Do you want me to tell you one of the first steps of getting in a rut? One of the first steps of getting in a rut, getting comfortable. When you get comfortable, it, it, it happens this way in marriages. It happens this way in relationships. As soon as you begin to get comfortable where you are, you quit striving to be better. Oh, but preacher, I've got a good marriage. But what if you could have a great marriage? Oh, we've got a good church. We like our good little number. But God wants you to have a great church. God wants you to have a great number. I'm not against, I'm not against small churches. And, and I was told I was told when we was in Mexico, I love this little saying, there's no such thing as a small church. And I thought, okay. He said there's either a dying church or a growing church. I thought, he's right. There's no such thing as a, a small church. You're either a dead church or a growing church, no matter what size you are. And here's the point. It, it, the things in our life are the same way. Our ministries are the same way. Marriages are the same way. Our maturity level. Are y'all with me? Watch this. Y'all going to love this. <clears throat> Paul is saying, Paul is saying, I'm not where I want to be. He's, look, look at your notes. Look at your notes. 
not as though I have already attained. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not living my life like I've arrived. I'm not living my life like I'm where I want to be. This is a statement of a great Christian who never permitted himself to be satisfied with his spiritual attainments. Obviously, Paul was satisfied with Jesus, Philippians 3.10, but he was not satisfied with his Christian life. A sanctified dissatisfaction is the first essential to progress in the Christian race. Now, let me, let me show you something. Number one, what, are we, where do, what do we need to evaluate? You know, here's the question we're asking ourselves. Where are we and where do we want to be? Where are we and where do we want to be? Number one, where are we with our maturity? Where are we with our maturity? I want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I've got it printed, and if you don't want to take the time to turn, that's fine. I'll read it, but 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. <clears throat> you say, why are we talking about this? Because God is concerned about your level of maturity. God is concerned about your... I've seen a, 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 a baby. Is there like a real little baby? I see a little, little person back there, but is there any babies in here? Any showing up babies? All right. Hey, you, would you mind, I mean, would it embarrass you too bad uh, to, 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 to bring that baby up here? Oh, that's Brittany. Get on up here. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Lee-looking thing. There's a little bit. Now, now watch. Now watch. Now look, 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 let everybody over there see. Let everybody over there see. All right. Five years from now, five years from now, if I said, now, Brittany, bring your baby up here. And y'all haven't seen her. Y'all hadn't, y'all hadn't been around her or anything. But y'all were in this service. And five years from now, Brittany comes from the back row, and she walks up here, and she looks just like this. What would you do? It would be like this. It would be, <gasps> there's a problem. There's something wrong. But guess what? This is where we all start. Every Christian starts right here. According to the New Testament, everyone is a babe in Christ. Everyone is a babe in Christ that desires the sincere milk of the Word. We are all babies when we're, when we're born again. Are you with me? Say amen. And that's great. And we celebrate that. It's wonderful to have babies in the house of God because that means people are getting saved. People are getting born again. But they can't stay that way. Thank you, Brittany. Can we give Brittany a hand? Thank you. Now, now watch. Now watch. Babies can't stay babies. Watch what, watch what this says. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, now Paul is speaking, you remember that carnal church, Corinth, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks? I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, they've been saved for a while. Paul is the one who started the church that he's writing back to. Now, watch. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Now, neither yet now are ye able. Now watch. Look in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. In Hebrews 5, verse 12, it says, For when for the time, in other words, for the amount of time that you have been a believer, for the amount of time that you've been saved, it says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers. In other words, you've been saved long enough, you should have this down enough and good enough, you should be teaching other people this. But watch what he says. When the time that you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk. Who needs milk? Babies. And not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a... But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What is that saying? 
God has expectations for every born-again Christian to grow up, to mature, to develop. You should not be in the same place spiritually next year at this time as you are this year at this time. You can't just keep coming to church and sitting and not growing and not developing. And I know I'm I'm speaking to the choir. This is Wednesday night. And if you didn't want to grow, you wouldn't be here on Wednesday night. But still, the point is this. You have to make an effort to grow. And the thing is, you've got to be honest with yourself about where you are. That's the hardest part. Well, preacher, I've been going to church all my life. That don't mean it. That don't mean jack. I've got people at Bethel Baptist Church that change my diapers. And I'm not exaggerating that. Change my diapers. And they are in the same spiritual state today as they were then. Because showing up at the house of God is not the only thing that's required to grow and mature. I, I, I'm telling you, I remember as a kid, even, even as a teenager and young adult, coming to church and the men hanging out in the foyer, talking to half the music was over, then they drifted in. It was, a, it was a social deal. It was a habit. They come in, did not bring their Bibles, went through the message. They said they enjoyed it, didn't really get nothing from it because they couldn't remember any of it, and left, and they've been doing that year after year after year after year, and they're still spiritually immature. God is sitting up in heaven saying, you should be teachers. wonder why there's so many church splits and problems and fighting and squabbling. Because churches are full of babies. And we need to, we need to evaluate. Where are we? Let me think about it. You're, you're the only one that can evaluate your own life. Where are you spiritually? Where are you in your maturity level with God? Are you closer to God today than you were A month ago? A year ago? That's what we need to know. Where are we with our maturity? Number two, where are we with our ministry? Where are we with our ministry? You say, preacher, that's just for them people that does stuff. Guess what? If you're saved, you're supposed to be one of them. Well, I tell you, I'm glad we go to a church with a bunch of volunteers because they, they sure serve us well. If you're not serving, shame on you. Because God's got something for you. You've got a vocation. You've got a responsibility. You have a gifting. According to Ephesians chapter number 4, every child of God is gifted. And they're not gifted so they can be gifted. They're gifted to serve. So, where are you at there? Are you serving in the capacity that God wants you to serve? Are you serving using the gift that God has given you? Evaluate. Are we having fun? Where are we with our marriages? And if you're not married, relationships. Relationships. Your relationships with your friends, acquaintances, co-workers. This is, this is, you know, how many, how many of you know you don't want to go to the doctor because you don't, you, you don't want to know really what he wants to say? I've had people tell me, preacher, I don't want to come in for marriage counseling because I don't want to mess up a good thing. I got him trained or I got her trained or whatever that might be. Now, let's translate that. You're comfortable. You're comfortable. And, 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 and you say, well, that's not that big a deal. It does when that rut starts getting boring. Because sometimes when one of the spouses get bored, the devil will always send somebody interesting. And I'll tell you this. Let me see how I can say this. If it is interesting at home, that's all I need to say, right? If it is interesting at home, if it is exciting at home, 
I don't care how interesting the other person is. All right, number four. No, let's go back to number three. Don't settle. Make it better. Strive to make it better. Your spouse deserves it. Well, he won't or she won't or... Listen, you're not going to answer to God for them. You're going to answer to God for you. I had a friend of mine one time, and uh, I'm not always claiming to be spiritual. I, I don't hardly ever claim to be spiritual. But at this particular point, he was telling me something his wife was doing, and, and, uh, and I don't even know why I said it. It's dumb. Uh, well, I said, well, I tell you what, you, you just do something. And, and it was something negative to her, you know. Uh, if she's going to act like that, then you. He said, no. He said, no, it don't matter what she does. I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be. Because I don't have to answer for her. But I do have to answer for me. I just can't hang around spiritual people like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's no longer my friend. Amen? I thought, man, that's, that's, that's so good. That's so great. Listen, don't, don't settle. Stay out of the rut. Don't settle. Make it... Just don't settle. Don't get comfortable. Man, that leads to monotony. Monotony leads to boredom. And boredom leads to danger. Amen? Listen, the state of our condition. Let's, let's, let's be honest about where we are. We got we to be honest. Where are we and where do we want to be? Where are we with our maturity? Where are we with our ministry? Where are we with our marriages? Where are we? You, you can just, whatever you want to put here. Where are we with our money? You know, you, you, you put in there whatever you're in a rut about. Where are we? There's got to be an honest, honest assessment. Then B, we see not only there needs to be a realistic focus about the state of our condition, but I want you to see this. B, I want you to see the source of our comparison. <clears throat> The source of our comparison. <clears throat> when Paul started talking about where he was. When Paul started talking about where he was. In, in other words, when he was evaluating whether he's attained or not. You know, when, when he's evaluating whether he's arrived or not. When he started comparing, he didn't compare himself to other people. You with me? In other words, when he began to determine where he should be or where he wanted to be, he did not compare himself to other Christians. He compared himself to himself and to Christ. He said, I want to attain Christ. I myself am not where I want to be. Now you say, what is the danger, what is the danger of, of who you compare with? If you begin to compare yourself with other people, you're usually going to pick the one that's not doing so hot. Y'all with me? I don't, I don't stack myself up against somebody that's better than me. Hello? We always look at that one, and see, that's, that's why Pharisees and, and the legalistic crowd, they can get so judgmental because they, got, they can always judge on the outward and they, they they make themselves look good by looking at others and they think they can compare no that's not the way that works we don't compare ourselves to other people because when we do that when we do that we can make ourselves look really good now here's a danger here's a danger in this step of the of the process that we're talking about when you begin to look at yourself and you begin to evaluate yourself there, there's really two dangers there's really two dangers that can take place. One is that you look at yourself too bad. In other words, when you begin to examine your life, you, you're, you're too hard on yourself. Oh, woe is me, I'm just nothing. And I, you, know, you, can't, you can't overdo it that way. How many of y'all know there's extremes any way you want to go? But you can't do it that way. 
You can't, and, and this really happens when you compare to other people because you have a Christian that's been saved seven months and he is comparing himself to a seasoned saint that's been saved 70 years and wonder why he don't feel what this other person feels or why he don't have the power that this other person has. And that's an unfair comparison. And so we don't do that. Be careful in your evaluation of yourself to not be harder on yourself than you're supposed to be. But then on the other side of that, don't, don't, let me, let me read it the way I've got it typed out. Self-evaluation can be a dangerous thing because we can err in two directions, making ourselves better than we are or making ourselves worse than we really are. Paul had no illusions about himself. He still had to keep pressing forward in order to lay hold of that which Christ had laid hold of him. A divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. Now, here's the point. Let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. Let's don't err to the good. Let's don't err too far to the bad. And let's just say, where am I at? I love this, I love this saying that's used all the time. I'm not what I used to be. Hello. I'm not what I used to be. All right? I may not be what I ought to be. I need a few more amen. But I'm not what I'm going to be. Are y'all with me? So, write this down. C. You really don't have a C. I added this one. So you'll have to find a space on the bottom of your page. After I done printed out y'all's, God gave me another one. Amen. So, just write this down. Put it at the bottom of your page. C. C. In In this phrase, he said, I have not yet apprehended... I'm not where I want to be. I'm not, I'm not at the place I feel is the final deal. He said, he said, but this one thing I do. So here's what I want you to write down here. We have a state of our condition, the source of our comparison, but I want you to write this down. The scope of our concentration. See, it's even alliterated. The scope of our concentration. What is he saying? This This, 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 this one thing I do. Do you want me to tell you something that will keep you in a rut? Spread yourself too thin. Have your schedule so crazy that you can't even breathe? Let me tell you this. Try pleasing everybody. You want to get in a rut? Try to make everybody happy. I have, I, I saw a sign, <clears throat> I saw a sign that, that had, uh, I, I, man, I, I wish I could remember exactly how this was. Uh, this is my list of people to please today, and you're not on the list. <clears throat> or this is not your day, amen? Paul said, this one thing I do. I know there's a lot of responsibility. I know that I have a great calling, but I have to be Focused. I have to be focused. Do you realize that, that sunlight can give you a sunburn? How many of y'all know that? Do you know, do you know that you can focus that light with a magnifying glass and you can catch you can catch a field on fire? Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> and you know what that is? That's focused light. That magnifying glass is taking the sunlight that just suntanned your skin, and it is focusing it to a point, and now you can start a fire with it. And do you know you can take that same light, and you can focus it even more, and it's a laser that cuts steel. Think about the power of focus. Think about how the devil wants to wear us out and get us so busy. This is nothing new. This is not a. This is not a new. Uh, 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 it, this is not a new weapon or tool of the devil. Let me prove it. Look in. Look in Luke chapter number ten. Look in Luke chapter number ten. I'm. A, I'm. A, I got it printed. But I'm gonna go ahead and turn over there. Luke chapter number ten. <clears throat> All right. Luke 10 and verse 
Let's see. 38. Luke 10, 38. When you get there, say amen. Now it came to pass as they went, this is Jesus and his disciples, as they went, they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. As I'm important to her. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. In other words, she was wide open. And she came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Now, what's she doing? She's real busy. The master's in her house. Now, uh, we, can't be, we can't be too critical on, on Martha. If you're, you're a lady in here, you can understand that. I mean, you've got a, the, the guest of all guests. I mean, this is Jesus. This is God's son in your house, and you want everything to be perfect. You want everything to be right. You want the food to be right. You want everything, the decoration to be right. And, and, and so you, you're just so busy, so busy, so busy, so busy, so busy with the things that you feel are critically important. And you get in a rut. What happens when you get in a rut? You feel like you're there alone. What does she say? Don't you care? That my sister's not helping me? In other words, I'm all by my... And so here she is. Here she is, wide open. And, and, and think about this. Think about this. She's doing a good thing. Do you realize you can get busy doing too much of a good thing? And not only is she doing a good thing, she's serving Jesus. You mean to tell me you can... Yeah. If you don't stay focused. Watch. I mean, you can even get so bent about it. You start telling Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. Read it, it's there. Don't you care that she's left me here to serve alone? I tell you, man, you, you can get so so busy and you can, you can get in your routine and you can get just so crazy with, with what you're doing, even serving God, that you can get in such a rut that you can get burnt out and feel like nobody else is doing anything. Hey, this is an amazing thing. This is, I, I'm not, I'm not t- going by notes right now. This is something God's telling me, so pay attention. When you're in a rut, you start looking what everybody else is not doing. We stop focusing on what we're doing, and all we can see is what everybody is not doing. When really, what anybody else is doing or not doing is really none of our business. Say, so you're, just, you're just getting in left field now. Really? What about, what about when Jesus, after the resurrection, is walking away and he says something about John? Or he actually says something to Peter. He tells Peter how he's going to die. And so he goes walking away and there's John. And Peter says, what about him? He said, that's none of your business. Isn't it amazing that when we get our eyes off of our track, we get in trouble. When we start worrying about what somebody else is not doing, we're headed for trouble. I'll tell you what we're headed for. We're headed for a correction from Jesus. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. And maybe, maybe you need to do this. Maybe it worked. Maybe it worked. You might not need to worry about what nobody else is doing. If I'm having to do their job. That's up to Jesus. Well, I tell you what, my boss needs to, my boss needs to, your boss is Jesus. I've got Bible. Do you know your Bible says that you're to serve as if you are serving the Lord? In other words, when you work on your job, you're not working for that man that signs your check. You're working for Jesus. You're working to give him glory. And whatever God does and what Jesus does through that, that's his business, that's his problem. 
Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing or not doing. And, and okay. Watch this. <clears throat> Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Anytime Jesus says something twice, uh-oh. Anytime in the Bible that you see something repeated, it's for emphasis. In other words, this is not your normal conversation. You with me? Watch. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But, come on, but, but, one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which should not be taken away from her. Now, let me, let me tell you this. This is, this is just coming to my head as God is speaking to me. I haven't seen this. But, help me, but one thing is needful. Watch this. I've never seen this. And Mary hath... What does that mean? Staying focused is a choice you have to make. Staying focused is, is, is something you have to do on purpose. I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but I'm going to just lay it out here. Staying focused is going to come when you learn to say no. In other words, in other words getting busy is not hard. How many of y'all figured that out? How many of y'all, you, you don't really have to do anything for your schedule to get packed. It's like you open your eyes and you open your calendar and you shut your calendar and you open it again, wham, it disappears. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Am I not telling the truth? I mean, you constantly just like, it's comes, it's come. will you do this, will you do that, will you do this, will you do that? Can you call this person? Can you go here? Can you go there? And I mean, I'm just like, ah! You don't have to do anything for that to happen. But it takes effort to stay. Because sometimes you're going to have to say no. Now watch this too. Watch this too. Things that you might think are important, Jesus might not. Because, because, I'm, I'm, I'm understand Martha, because I'm married, and I have four girls who don't really like to clean <laughs> till a boy comes over. I always know when someone's come a courting. Because when I walk in, they're going around like a bunch of bees. Don't take your shoes off. I said, well, somebody's coming over. So I get Martha. And I get why this stuff is important. But in order to get out of a rut sometimes, we may have to learn to prioritize. And we may have to, and we may not even know this, we may have to figure this out. We may have to learn what Jesus thinks is really important. Paul says it's one thing I do. Focus is so important. Focus is so important in getting out of a rut. Because I'm telling you, if you keep yourself so busy, so, so wide open doing everything, trying to please everybody, and trying to be... How many of y'all have ever... How many of y'all have ever been the, the one-minute hero and ended up a zero? Let me, let me describe what I'm talking about. You've got 50 things on your schedule you've got to do, but somebody comes at you, can you help me with? And right away, you, want it, you don't want to say no. You want to be the good guy. And you want to say, well, sure, I... And, and guess what? For that half a minute, you're a hero. But there's no way possible you can get that done. So, so sometimes we've got to learn to say no.
I'm the worst in the world. I hate that. I don't like, I don't like doing that. But I promise you this. I promise you this, guys. The more you do it, the easier it gets. I promise you. Because what happens is when, is when you start becoming focused, you, you start accomplishing more with less. And you start realizing what potential you really have. And see, when you start realizing potential, when you start accomplishing things, and when you start, guess what starts happening? You start rising up out the rut. Because now you have anticipation. Now you have expectation of accomplishment. Now, are you with me? Say amen. All right, number two. What time I got? Oh, yeah, plenty of time. Number two. Write this down. Now, we got to stay focused, guys. we got to stay focused. we got to realize where we are, where we want to be. We've got to realize we haven't attained. We can't get comfortable. We've got to always be striving. But there's, there's, there's something else we've got to do. There's got to be a realistic focus. Number two, write this down. There's got to be a regular, a regular, say it with me, a regular forgetting. There's got to be a regular forgetting. <clears throat> I, I like to play golf. <clears throat> and I've had people that I've, I went out and played golf with. And, and, and mentally, mentally, they don't have what it takes. Mentally. Because, because they hit a bad shot and they blow up. They've been playing three months and they think they're Tiger Woods. <clears throat> Throw clubs, get mad. You know, just... Let me tell you the secret to having a good golf game. A short memory. A short memory. You say, Preacher, what are you talking about? Because if you mess up on hole seven, you still got 11 more to go. And you got to go to hole eight and forget about hole seven. And this is the same way in life. Paul says, this one thing I do. And before he ever said about pressing, he said something about forgetting. He said, I am forgetting those things which are behind. You can never press till you learn to forget. You can never reach what God has for you till you learn to forget. Now, let me say something about forgetting. Forgetting is not leaving of the mind. Please keep in mind that in Bible terminology, to forget does not mean to fail to remember. Apart from senility, hypnosis, or brain malfunction, no mature person can forget what has happened in the past. We may wish that we could erase certain bad memories, but we cannot. To forget in the Bible means to no longer be influenced by or affected by. When God promises, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more, he is not suggesting that he will conveniently have a bad memory. This is impossible with God. What God is saying, I will no longer hold their sins against them. Their sins can no longer affect their standing with me or influence my attitude toward them. Does that make sense? Now, here's a couple of things that we need to forget. We have to learn to put behind us. We have to learn to not allow it to affect us. And I'm going to show you how to do that in just a second. We have to forget past adversities. Past adversities. And you can put under that failures, problems, obstacles, whatever it is. Bad stuff. Past adversities. <clears throat> Abraham had to forget his lying. Jacob had to forget his trickery. Elijah had to forget his pouting. David had to forget his adultery. Peter had to forget his denial. Paul had to forget his murders. Paul killed people. Paul killed Christians. Paul did some bad stuff by Paul's own admission. Paul's description of his treatment of the New Testament church was as an animal would mangle its prey. He said, I took the church, the body of Christ, and he described his treatment of it as he wreaked havoc in the church, that he would take it like a lion would take a zebra and rip it all apart. That's what Paul did to the church. I wonder how many people died while saying their prayers 
Paul was present when they stoned Stephen. He held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen. You talking about somebody need to forget something. Hey, let me tell you what, let me tell you what the devil does. <clears throat> how many of y'all have ever how many of y'all have ever been to a zoo? God help us today, amen. <laughs> I <laughs> How many of y'all seen an elephant? I, I've read, and I have seen documentaries and stuff, and, 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 and they say they take a baby elephant, <clears throat> take a baby elephant, and, and they, will, they will take that baby elephant and chain it to a stake in the ground, a stake that's driven way in the ground that that baby elephant doesn't have the strength to pull up. And, and, and hour after hour after hour after hour, that, that baby elephant will keep pulling and keep pulling and keep pulling and keep tugging and keep trying to get away and keep trying to get away and keep trying to get away. And, 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 and for days, for days, this, this baby elephant will try to the point of exhaustion till it comes to a point that it gives up. And in that baby element, and their mem memories are so great and powerful that they could take that baby elephant after that, and that baby elephant grows into this massive hulk of muscle that could rip down this building, and they could take a stake and drive it out in the yard that it, probably a St. Bernard could pull up. But as soon as that big, massive element, elephant feels tension on its leg, it remembers its past. It remembers its inability to get loose. And because of the memory of that elephant, that elephant is bound and is in bondage to something it has power over. And there are Christians today that because of your past, you're still in a rut. You're still in the same place. You feel no expectation in your life whatsoever because you think because of your past that God can't do something about your future. It, he, the devil brings it up all the time. Well, guess what? God doesn't want you to live that way. Let me say it again. Y'all didn't hear me. God doesn't want you to live that way. God did not die on a cross so you could be chained to a stake in the ground. God did not die on the cross and shed his blood so you could live in bondage the rest of your life to a failure or a mistake in your past. The Bible says the blood of Christ will purge our conscience from dead works, not that you can quit, not that you can't, won't try again. It said he will purge our conscience from dead works that we may serve a living God. God washes that away. Not so we can quit, not so we can give up, not so we don't try. No. You've got power. But you've got to forget it. You've got to forget it. You've got to forget things that, that the devil's tried to destroy you with. And I know what you're thinking. That's easier said than done. I'm going to tell you how. After this. You have to forget. You have to. What I say? Say it again. Pass adversity. But. Also this, you have to forget past accomplishments. Hurry up right down, I'm running out of time. In other words, you've got to forget good stuff too. You can't live today on yesterday's victory. You know how many, when I, I, I hate using the word old timers because I'm, I'm talking about, you know how many people in churches all across America today are still living in the 60s? And they're, they're trying to reflame and rekindle the glory days. And they can't get past, they can't get past the fact that times change. And anything that resembles something different than what it used to be, they automatically bow up and, and get defensive. And listen, if it worked yesterday, God bless that don't mean it's going to work today. Now, I'm not about, and don't start calling me a compromiser, I'm not about changing anything about the Bible. But you can change a delivery system. 
There was a day when farmers put a kernel of corn in the ground with one row donkey. Are y'all with me? Now they put it in with a John Deere. Why does this building? Say amen. But guess what never changed? The seed. There was a day when they didn't have microphones. There was a day when they didn't have air conditioning. I don't see them arguing about that. Y'all with me? Sometimes in order to go forward, you've got to not only forget past obstacles or adversities, but you've got to forget past accomplishments too. Then, then, then write this down. <clears throat> write this down. Not only is there a regular forgetting. I've got to hurry. There's some stuff I want to say right there. But anyway, number three, there's got to be a reaching forth. There's got to be a reaching forth. He says, let me get back over there. In Philippians, he says, he says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Verse 12. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I, come on, but I follow after. All right? In verse 13, reaching, or brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth. So we have follow after and reaching forth. Then he says this, uh, verse 14, I press toward. So here we have follow after, then we have reaching forth, Then we have press toward. Preacher, what is the point? You have to make an effort. All right, now let me do this. I got a minute and 30 seconds. Good gracious. At your pass. All right, now watch this. Watch it. Write these these things down. And then then I'll just explain it and we'll pray. There's a pressing, there's a purpose, and there's a prize. Write this down because some of y'all are going to ask me. Three reasons for a clear vision. Write this down. One, two, three. Y'all ready? It clarifies direction. It provides purpose. And it enhances leadership. I don't have time to explain it. Just trust me. All right. This right here. I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. The word mark means goal. It means purpose. It means destiny, if you will. In other words, the thing that God... It's the same thing that Paul said earlier. Remember he said, I want to get what it is that God got me for. God saved Paul for this. Paul was a uh, church planner. Paul was a scripture writer. Paul was a preacher of preachers. That's why God saved him, ultimately for his glory. Are y'all with me? But he says, this is why I'm here. This is my purpose. I'm pressing toward the mark. Paul's seen something that he's reaching for. Y'all with me? Now, now here is Paul's past. This is Paul's past. Are y'all with me? This is Paul's past. Now, here's what he's saying. I'm reaching. I'm pressing. I'm following after i'm going after my calling i'm going after my purpose i'm seeking and i'm i'm doing everything i can i'm i will find my purpose i will i will i will develop it i will find my gifts i will find my my god's will for my life if you want to use that terminology and and listen the more i stretch and the more i press guess what i'm getting further away from now watch this i still know it's here But what did we say forgetting was? It no longer has an effect. The closer I get to my purpose, the more I press. You can't do this. Guys, you can't do this. Those with a a, a sordid past or a past you're trying to get over, you can't can't say, oh, God, help me forget it. I just, I tell you what, I just can't get over what I did. Boy, if you just knew me, no, you got to press. You'll never forget till you learn to press. The busier you, you, the busier you get 
doing what God calls you to do, the less the devil's going to affect you. Anyway, we're out of time. All right, we may, we may talk about that some more next week, all right? But anyway, uh, let's get out of a rut. Say it with me. Let's. All right, let's. Let's. Lord, help us get out of the rut in Jesus' name. Amen. Go get your children.